John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at um, verses 5 through 10 primarily. Um, we will reference a couple of the previous verses. Um, the topic of the lesson really is that we all have the opportunity to have fellowship with God, but there are things that can get in the way of that fellowship. If you're saved, and that's who John is speaking to here, is saved people, you cannot lose your relationship. If you're saved, you're saved. Um, but after that, um, there's also the great possibility and privilege of having fellowship with the Lord. And um, you think of the apostles. Now, this is written about 90 A.D. And uh, A.D. does not stand for, like some people believe, after the death of Christ. It's a Latin phrase that talks about basically the birth of Christ. So this is some 63 years, or uh, I take that back, uh, 57 years after the crucifixion of Christ. And we don't know exactly how old uh, John was when he was ministering uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministries. But I think it's pretty safe to say he's in his 70s or 80s. He could be older, but uh, we just don't know for sure. Um, but the, uh, the thing is, these apostles and stuff, they were just burdened down with the wanting to express what they saw in their own eyes, in their, in their own lives, with the Lord Jesus Christ, getting to see him, to feel him, to hear him talk. And then they got to see all the miracles and everything he did. And they had this personal walk with him during this three and a half years of his earthly ministry. But you also get to see that in uh, John chapter 19, verse 27, that John at the foot of the cross is given the responsibility to look after Jesus' mother uh, for the rest of her life. And the book, of, the Bible tells us there in that verse that he took her into his home from that moment on. Now you can't tell me that sitting down over dinner having something to eat that John didn't explore the early years of Jesus Christ when he was a little boy. How did that, you know, how did he behave? What did he do? All the stories that Mary could reminisce about and the in-depth feelings that John absorbed about the life of Jesus Christ from being a little boy all the way up. And then you have James and Jude who wrote the book of James and the book of Jude, who were half-brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine they did not come by to visit Mom every once in a while? And so then you'd have John being able to get the perspective of what it was like to have the perfect brother in a, uh, and their experiences. And can you imagine what it was like, uh, John, exploring? So, Jude, you, you never heard, uh, why can't you be more like Jesus? You know, and stuff like that. Just uh, what it was like to see it from their eyes as a sibling. Mary saw it as a mother in the life of Jesus growing up. These siblings got to see it as siblings and seeing the perfect life of Jesus Christ. 
And here's this aged apostle writing, and he phrases so many different things uh, in this little book. He says, my little children. And of course, God the Holy Spirit gave him the grace to say that and the permission to say that. And so I think that's also how God the Holy Spirit, God looks at us as his little children. But he wants to express what it was like to know Jesus. And we see that looking at the beginning of verse 3. It says, and that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. You know, so the things that John had seen and heard, he, he's expressing these things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, and then uh, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we have made him a liar and the word is not in us. Now, as we look at these things tonight, what I want to go on is I know that I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. I'm talking to the crowd that wants to be here. Uh, there, you know, people have made an effort to be to all the services and they're here. But one of the things that I've also learned in my uh, nearly 47 years of being saved is sometimes the things you think you got down pat, you let your guard down on. And we see that through the Bible too. Moses was known for his meekness and he lost his temper. David was known for his purity, and we know the sin that he got into even led to murder to cover up his relationship with Bathsheba. So people evidently in the past, great men of God in the past, have let their guard down. And so I think all of us have to stop and think, no matter how long I've been saved, there is a tendency that we see throughout the scriptures. And if we look back honestly in our own lives, we'll see that there's a tendency sometimes to let down our guard. As I get older, Brother David's made the comment uh, from the pulpit and stuff that uh, as he's gotten older, he just really doesn't want to get into confrontation. And I have found even in my own life, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 65, and I found that... Um, Confrontation is just really something I'd like to avoid now. Uh, would you agree with me? Am I the only one in this camp? You know, and the thing is, sometimes in avoiding confrontation, you have to be careful that you don't compromise. And there's a fine line uh, between, you know, uh, somebody says something, you could respond, but you don't have to respond. And, and that may be a good way to avoid confrontation. Just because somebody asks a question, you don't have to answer. 
but the thing is, but sometimes you just go ahead and have to fight the fight, whatever that fight is, and not allow compromise that allows the darkness that we're going to be talking about here in these passages that hinder our fellowship with the Lord. And also as we read in these passages, it tells us if we do, it's not going to just reflect in our relationship with the Lord, which is tragic, but it's also going to interfere with us. We're not going to have the fellowship among one another. And how did Jesus say that the outside world was going to know you're my children. What was the phrase? Yeah, that we love one another. So one of the things is if we get out of fellowship with the Lord as we should or as deeply as we can, then we're not going to have the continuity and the love for one another and the patience with one another that we should have and then that's going to hurt our witness and the chance for souls to get saved. And so it's something to, for all of us to take the time and think through. Uh, and just if there's something that's slipped into our lives, deal with it. If not, use it as a uh, protection, a realization that it could be coming soon and I'm going to have my guard up. Um, the... You know, one of the things, like I said, that uh, when we get saved, one of the wonderful things that happens is that we become capable of having fellowship with God. I mean, before you're saved, you can't. You're not one of his kids. You're, you're an enemy of God. But once you get saved, you all of a sudden are a child of God. Your spirit's been quickened. This book here becomes alive instead of just a historical document, and it feeds your soul, and then the fellowship of the Lord's church and things like that. And all of a sudden, you have that capability of having fellowship with the Father and fellowship with one another as we should. But it's not automatic. Um, our verses show tonight that we can hinder our fellowship with God. And then what we have to do or what we can do to restore it. Um, when we look at verses 5 through 8, it's going to speak of the things that can hinder uh, fellowship or what's required to have fellowship. And then verses 9 and 10 are, is going to help us know what we need to do to restore it. Um, the in verses three and four, uh, fellowship with God and with His people brings joy. It tells us we're going to read these verses again. Uh, that which we have seen and heard and declared unto you, that we may, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let me ask you something. At the end of the day, what better thing is there to have peace and joy? You know, um, you know just a, a, a quiet peace in your heart and a joy in your heart, uh, knowing that you're right with God. Is there any better way to lay your head down on the pillow 
at night and know that the people you love, the people you care about, God loves them even more than you do. And you can trust them to God. You can turn them over to God. You can go to bed at night and get a good night's sleep because there's a peace in your heart and there's joy in your heart because your relationship with the Lord is like it should be. How many times, you know, when we were younger or when our kids were younger, um, when something wasn't right in a fellowship, how close did they really want to be to us? Or how close did we really want to, how much time did we spend around dad when we knew dad might find out about something that we'd done any moment now? You know, there's just things that hinder fellowship and so we just need to realize it's possible to hinder those things. Um, Verse 5 speaks of um, the Lord's character. Let's read it together. It says, this then is the message we have, we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is perfect in every way and there is absolutely no part of God's character that needs to be hidden in darkness. Now think of us as individuals and is there anything in the refrigerator that maybe shouldn't be in there? Uh, is there, you know, different television devices or DVDs or different things that shouldn't be in there? You know, is there other things in our lives that we've allowed to creep into our hearts and into our lives, which at one time we wouldn't have thought about doing, but we've kind of let our guard down just a little bit. The thing is, in the life of our, our God, there's absolutely no need for darkness. You can examine his character any which way you want to examine it. It's it's perfect because he's perfect. Um, So the next thing we look at in verse 6 is God's, uh, John speaking of those things which do not have, that can, those people who do not have fellowship with God. It says in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the, we do not the truth. Now the thing is, he didn't say you're lost. He didn't say anything about you losing your relationship. You can't lose your relationship. That was took care of. But the fellowship, if we've allowed these things to sneak into our lives, we just don't want to fight the fight no more or a little of that don't hurt nothing and and we let some things slip in, it's going to hinder the fellowship. Um, Let me ask you a question. Does God's word ever put you on the spot? It does, doesn't it? I mean, um, you know, he's not too worried about being politically correct. Right here in verse 6, he'll call you a liar right to your face. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Uh, Now, out in the world, you could get your nose punched saying something like that and stuff, but God, he's not afraid and he's, he's willing to put it right out there. If we walk in darkness, if we're allowing these things into our lives, uh, that we shouldn't, it's going to hinder our fellowship. If we try to put our Sunday morning face on 
and come to church and try to say, oh, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. Um, it don't float with the Lord. Uh, and the thing is, we will not pick up this book as often as we ought to pick it up um, because we're afraid he's going to talk to us. We won't pray like we should pray because we know what he wants to talk about. We're likely to start skipping some church services because we know what the Lord wants to talk about, and he's bad about using them preachers to get at that. And, you know, and little by little, we're heading toward the back door. You know, we may have been 47 years in, in service to the Lord, and slowly but surely we're heading toward the back door. And, uh, and we don't see it for what, we, what it is. And pastors talking to us uh, on Sunday mornings about putting on the whole armor of God. And in that passage at the beginning, it talks about the wiles of the devil. Later at the end, it'll talk about the fiery darts which is a frontal attack. But the wiles of the devil is him being deceptive, him trying to lay a trap, him trying to lure you outside maybe the hedge of protection that God's got in place for you. And we just got to realize he's never going to stop. The thing is, he can't get your soul, but if he can mess you up, you might not be able to lead someone to the Lord tomorrow. And so he's not going to quit messing with us. And so he's there and he's going to do his thing. But God's got a plan and that plan starts with that proper fellowship. I've had people all my Christian life say, I wish I knew what the Lord's will was for my life. Has anyone ever heard that? And my answer is always the same to them. Do all the things you already know you're supposed to be doing and you'll be right in the right spot for God to lay the next thing on your heart. And, and that's the will of God. In other words, why are we talking about wanting to go to class 104 when you're not doing 102? You know, God's going to keep bringing you back to class 102 until we get that one behind us. And then he'll lay the next thing on your heart. Um, help me, let me find my spot here. Uh, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Hold your spot here. We'll be bouncing back and forth a little bit. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13... Paul writing here, he says, Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There was a day and a time when we were lost that we could not say no to Satan. He had us and uh, he just used us like a little doll, uh, mandolin on the strings, and he could just do whatever he wanted to do with us. But when we got saved... He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He didn't deliver us from darkness. He delivered us from the power of darkness. We are still a free agent, and we still have free choice, and we can still make a choice about are we going to live righteously or are we not going to live righteously. But the power of darkness no longer has the hold on us that it had. Um, but the thing is, 
if we start walking back toward darkness, we're not thinking very clearly. Think of the things that we were so joyful over when we got saved that we got delivered from those things. We don't want to voluntarily walk back into those things. But a lot of us do at different times. We all slip up at some times. There'll be times when you'll slip up and make a mistake. That's human nature and the fact that we still have sin. We still have the vestiges of sin in this old body. Um, I guarantee you somebody almost pulls out and pulls, almost causes a wreck and almost kills you and your family. You're not going to instantly think, well, bless that person's heart. That is not the thoughts that's going to run through your mind right then. They put you, they put your whole family in danger. You're not going to be happy with them. But a little few seconds later, when you start breathing right again, you can say, Lord, forgive me for losing my temper. Um, you know, uh, but the thing is, it's not going to just be instantaneous. But we have the power. We, the power of... Um, Darkness no longer controls us. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at um, 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now a people of God, which have not obtained mercy, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Other words, like it says here, you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have the opportunity to walk in that. And then if you would go with me to uh, the Gospel of John chapter 8. Verse 12. And then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And again, the key phrase there, that follow me. What we have to do is if we find ourselves that things have started creeping in uh, into our lives, things that we used to not allow, but we're starting to not wanting to fight to fight quite so much. We're letting down on our guard a little bit, and this is creeping in here, and this is creeping in here. And little by little, it, it just starts shutting down our fellowship. I, you know, I've been there. I, I, you know, I don't think people lose confidence in me, but I, you know, I can say with... I think all my brothers and sisters in Christ here have been a Christian very long. We all mess up, don't we? 
you know, we mess up. Uh, people who, like Brother David has said many a time, uh, say people who don't believe you can never lose your salvation, they said, well, if I felt that way, I'd sin all I wanted to. And his comment always is, we do, and more than we want to. You know, the thing is, there's a desire in here not to. But the thing is for us to look at, go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, I want us to notice the unfruitful works of darkness. In other words, what we're doing, and then we'll talk a little more about that. And starting in verse 8 of chapter 5, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but are, are now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, uh, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Let me see here. Yes. Um, and in verse 11, I knew I was skipping one. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know, think with me a little bit. Um, every time we've ever gotten into this situation, every time we've allowed ourselves to get a little backslid and we don't want to straighten up real quick, um, where does the Lord take us? Yeah, to the back bedroom, to the woodshed, wherever it is, dad's belt used to do whatever dad's belt used to do. Um, and the thing is, God requires us, he loves us too much to let us go. So it gets us in trouble when we do it. But it also gets those that we love, it hurts them as well. Because when I'm not like I should be, I don't treat people like I should treat them. Am, am I the only one that's in that camp? And the thing is, you get frustrated easier because you've lost your peace. You've lost that joy in here. And you, your eyes are off the Lord. You're down here on the earth. And you're looking at all the problems. And that leads to frustration. And who's the one you usually lose it with? Someone who can't get rid of you. So the wife hears about it or somebody else hears about it. You can't blow up on the job. You can't do this. So you wind up taking it home and taking it out on the ones who you love the most. And, and so you hurt those that you love when you lose this, when you're w taking a time of walking in darkness. We lose our peace and our joy that I was just talking about. Um, because, again, the more we're, we know it's there, the Holy Spirit won't let you not know it's there. And so you know it's there, it's bothering you, but you haven't decided to get rid of, quit playing with it yet. So, again, you, you quit reading this, you quit praying like you should, you go through the formalities of praying for things, but you don't really get on your knees and get serious with God about things. 
And then pretty soon it's easier to miss this church service and then this church. And again, like I said, it's a slow walk out the back door if we don't get a handle on it. And, um, and then probably one of the most important things we're doing also is we're losing the days that we could have been fruitful. We could have been busy serving our Lord Jesus Christ and being fruitful. And um, the, you know, and if it gets too, too serious, um, you know, something happens, you can be disqualified from holding certain jobs in the church. You can always come back to church, get right with God. Doesn't mean you'll be allowed to be in ministry again uh, if it takes you too far down the wrong road. So the thing is, there's just all sorts of things going on. Uh, and the bad thing about the unfruitful works of darkness is it's that terrible two-edged sword. It's hurting. It's taking away my peace and joy. It's doing all of this. And at the same time, I'm not doing anything for the kingdom of God. So it, it's robbing me of days, weeks, months, years, whatever it is that I've allowed it to creep in. And it's robbing me of all these opportunities to be building rewards and seeing fruit uh, for the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. Is there any sitting on the fence when it comes to obedience? I mean, is there almost obedience? Yeah, it, it just, like I said, we just really got to take the Word of God for what it says. The Holy Spirit tells us what it says to us, and we've got to be applying it. And, I, and like I said, I'm, I'm getting to an age where I'd really like not to have to fight to fight all the time. Uh, be it in other areas of my life or be it in different Christian service and different things like that. And yet I've got to always be humble about it and just realize that why am I here then? Why is God still giving me breath? You know, what, what's my purpose? If I just want to build a cabin somewhere up on a hill and go pull up on the hill, God might as well say, well, why live in a little cabin on the hill when I got a mansion for you up here? I'll just bring you on home. And then maybe some of your brothers and sisters will scratch their head and wonder, I wonder why he died so quick. You know, and, uh, and, you know, use my life to create fear in someone else's life not to go down the same road. Um, verse 7 tells us that, let's listen. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Um, the thing is, we've been uh, studying um, somewhat about uh, Sunday morning. Brother David, two weeks ago, was preaching about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. That it's, it isn't salvation, because salvation you have, you, you just have it. But you decide to put on the righteousness. You decide to live right. You decide with the help of the Holy Spirit to try to live right. And so it's a conscious decision. And the thing is, as we do allow sin sometimes to sneak into our lives, um, we have that ability to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, let me turn a note here. It says, 
you know, the thing is that phrase that he uses there in verse 7, it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's, that's talking present tense. That's talking right now. In other words, you're saved, and so the penalty of sin has been took care of by blood, Jesus Christ on the cross. But how many of us are willing to raise their hand and say we're currently living in sinless perfection? Uh, we're smarter than that, uh, although some churches teach it. Um, but the thing is, um, we know that at salvation, our old sinful nature wasn't eradicated. Um, the flesh was not, de- uh, the desires of the flesh weren't destroyed. But for the first time, we have the ability to say no. And so we have that opportunity to say no. Um, and the thing is, if we think, and, you know, I, I must admit, I prayed about this a lot, and I'm trying to um, get it across in a way that hopefully makes sense. But um, it is so easy to be in service for so many years and so involved to not think any of this, you know, this doesn't affect me. This isn't a message for me. Um, but the thing is, since we, I don't think there's a single day any of us go by without committing sin. Would you agree with me? I mean, you'd have to have the perfect thought life, have the perfect attitude, treat everybody with the perfect kindness that you should, uh, go out of your way to try to be generous and stuff like that, and not self-centered. Uh, you know, we, we need cleansing every day. And if we don't believe that, we've deceived ourselves. And every day we don't go to the Lord and confess our sins, and they're in the plural, and, and get things right today, that's another, it's kind of like that uh, silver getting, uh, what, what they call it when it gets tarnished? Yeah, getting tarnished. Well, the next day it's going to get a little darker. Guess what, though? You're going to kind of get used to seeing it. You're not going to be as shocked by it. And so it gets a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. We're all sinners, so every single day we're going to have to ask God to forgive us. There's going to be things that messed up. And the thing is, we're just children of God, but he's made this available to us. And we just got to not uh, let the tarnish get so thick that we can no longer see ourselves clearly And through that, we somehow have deceived ourselves. But in verses 9 and 10, it talks about how everything gets restored. Um, If we slip up, if we let things into our lives. uh, But it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all we have to do is confess. Now, confess doesn't mean I'm sorry. Now, I'm sorry can be in there, but confession is that I agree with you, God. I see it the same way you see it. And by the grace of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to make improvements. I want I want to get back to where I was. And the thing is, the the if we'll do it daily, the list isn't near as long. 
as far as things we got to work on. And, and we just need to, to you know, hit the reset button maybe and just realize it's there. Our human nature gets us in trouble, and we need to hit that reset button. And um, and the pr- thing is that we know about God is he'll keep his promises. If we'll do what he asked us to do, commands us to do here in this verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, for a lost person, this verse 10, I would say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That there is basically saying, if I don't think I need a Savior, you don't realize that you are a sinner. You, the Word of God has not yet convinced you that you're lost and you're undone and you have a devil's hell waiting for you if you don't come to that saving knowledge of Christ. And so the Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ substitutionally took our place on the cross paid our sin debt so that a holy God could honestly forgive us because he can't lie and just say, well, I'm going to just act like you didn't sin. No, you did sin. But your sins, Rick, were on Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ took your penalty. And because of that, if you'll put your trust, like I did when I was 18 years old, my confidence, my faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me, he'll forgive, he forgave me of my sins and made me a child of God. From that moment on, I've needed to go to the Lord for cleansing. And uh, anyway, I thank you for your good time or your good attention. But one thing also just to remember, as we talked a little bit about briefly before, if we don't repent... Then we got to look over to chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and that's where he takes us to the woodshed. He loves us too much not to do it. I never liked that when, in my, when I was young. And as an adult and as a Christian, sometimes the Lord's had to do it, and I haven't liked that either. And so I would highly suggest that we just... Key things straight with our good Lord. And if anybody has not ever accepted the Lord, we'd love to have a chance to talk with you. Thank you for your time. Brother Jeff, could I get you?